0: Hello and welcome to What's The Story? We're an inquisitive bunch of hosts from the What's The Story team on a mission to uncover stories about faith and courage from everyday people. And to help us do just that, we get the privilege to chat with amazing guests and delve into their faith journey, the hurdles they've overcome and the life lessons they have learned along the way. Now, if you enjoy our podcast, don't forget to subscribe and sign up for our newsletter on our website, which is whatsthestorypodcast.com. It's your direct line to the latest episodes and detailed show notes, and they all get delivered straight to your inbox. And the best part, it's absolutely free. What's the Story is brought to you by Crowd Church we understand that stepping into a traditional church might not be everybody's cup of tea. And that's where Crowd Church steps in, providing a digital sanctuary, a safe space to explore the Christian faith where you can engage in meaningful conversations rather... And just simply spectating. So whether you are new to the Christian faith or are in search of a new church family, we invite you to visit us at www.crowd.church. And if you've got any questions, just drop us an email at hello at crowd.church. We're here to help and would genuinely love to connect with you. And now, without further ado, let's meet your host, And our very special guest for today.
1: Hello, and welcome to What's the Story. My name is Anna, I'm part of the Crowdchurch team here. I'm your host for this episode of What's the Story podcast. And today I'm joined by my good friend, Mike Harris. Now, Mike is a Pew teacher from Liverpool, and he's also an ex-professional footballer. He's played for a number of different teams, including Blackburn and also Newcastle United. He's married to Debbie, and Dad's two wonderful kids. Now, Mike and I have been friends for, I was trying to work it out earlier today, but certainly over 20 years now. And in fact, we first met um at Christian Gap Year that we both did here in Liverpool in 2001-2002, so... We've known each other for a good few years. And incidentally, that was also the year where he first met his wife, Debbie. So it was quite an important year, all in all, in your life, wasn't it, Mike? (laughs) Thanks Thanks. so much for joining us today. I'm so excited to have you on the show. It's great to have you on here. here.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: It's a pleasure. So I guess we should start at the beginning, really, shouldn't we? And find out a little bit more about you, Mike. So obviously, you grew up in a Christian family. You came from quite a religious background in many ways. But I guess I'm kind of interested in when it really started to mean something for you personally. Like when did you kind of find a faith that was personal to you? Can you tell us a bit more about that kind of journey sort of through your childhood and into, into Christianity? Yeah, really? so
2: um, I was one of five children um, and, and I grew up in a Christian family. Uh, we were all quite close in age. There was five of us under the age of four at one point. Um,
1: which being a parent now, you're like, how, how did your mum and dad ever do that?
2: Did the, how... they do that? <laughs> yeah, respect yeah. To them. I mean, I I never needed any friends growing up. Um, uh, which which was a nice thing, cause, cause I had enough of them at home. Yeah. Um, and so, so that was good. Um, so I had two brothers, two sisters. Um, and sport was a big part of my life. Um, as well as going to church. So mm. we went to church three times every Sunday. Um, and I'd also go to a youth group during the week at church. Um, and then I'd play a lot of sports, and in particular football. Um, and so when I was 12, really, I mean, I played football all the time, but when I was 12, I was playing for my secondary school. And my dad, um, like any dad, thought that um, their son was really good at football. Um, the difference was that my dad had a cousin who was a coach of Blackburn um, Rovers. And so he invited him along to come cool and watch me play. Um he thought mm-hmm. that I was good as well. So then I went up to Blackburn for a trial um, and I ended up staying there for four years. Um, so I was there till I was 16 and I absolutely loved it. I mean, I loved football. I loved playing sport. I loved the affirmation that I got from it because I was good at it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of that was very good. Um, and then when I was 16, um, my... Uh, coach at the time who was a guy called Alan Irvine and um, he left and went to Newcastle with Kenny Dagleish, who was the manager of Blackburn and um, I went with him um, to Newcastle so at the age of 16 I left home, went to Newcastle, um, signed as a YPS and then signed a professional um, and I was there um, for a few years Um I didn't really go to church whilst I was there. Um, I would I, to go to church when I was at home. But because I'd left home, my mum and dad mm-hmm. said, it's it up to you. Um, and they did have a friend in Newcastle who they used to send to the hotel because we lived in a hotel at the time. Um, and they used to send this friend, um, Nick, to the hotel. And every time he used to come, I used to hide. Um, and I used to, I used to tell the manager of <laughs> the hotel, just tell him I'm not here, tell him I'm not here. Um, because, because for me Christianity, um, I, I, you know, I heard this said on the off course, um, but for me, for me, Christianity was boring, um, it, it was irrelevant mm-hmm. to my life. I was going to be a professional footballer, you know, I, I was a professional footballer, mm-hmm. so, um, it was irrelevant, and and I don't think I would say that I felt like it was untrue, but I definitely didn't know, um, so it was a boring, it was irrelevant, mm-hmm. and I didn't know if it was true. Um
1: and it certainly wasn't top of your agenda when you're leaving home at sixteen and the living that footballer lifestyle for the first time you got the first taste of freedom, I'm guessing. Probably not the first thing you you think, oh I need to go and find a good ab- church. Absolutely.
2: Well. Absolutely. And and you know, you you just I just didn't feel like I needed it. You know. I, I, yeah. I had everything that I'd that I'd always wanted. Um I'm the no, mm. you know um the so that was Newcastle. Um but obviously Newcastle mm. didn't you know, I'm not currently a premiership footballer, so Newcastle didn't work out. Um I I was a professional footballer there, which was great. Um but unfortunately mm-hmm. after a few years um my contract came to an end and I hadn't made it into the first team. By this time, M Dad had been fired. Rude Hollock came in as the manager. After the year Ruth Hollock got fired and Bobby Dobson became the manager. Um I hadn't made it into the first team and so new, uh, Bobby Robson decided that he wasn't gonna give me another contract. Um, mm-hmm. I then went on trial for lots of different clubs. Um and um I went on trial for loads and loads of different clubs over and, and it over a number of years some clubs I spent longer at um, than others. Um but I wasn't able to really find a club that was um that was prepared to give me a long-term contract um and I ended up at a mm-hmm. club called Chester City um and it was whilst I was there that um I became a Christian and I wish I wish mm-hmm. I could remember more about the actual how it happened but but a few th- few things that happened um so one of the things yeah. that happened was I, I was, I remember having a conversation with my mum, and she'd just come back from a Christian camp called um, MCYT Christian Camps, which lots of people within um, uh, Liverpool looked into. And um, she was just talking to me yeah. about how amazing it was and how, um, it, it, what a great time she'd had. And I just remember thinking, um, that she had peace and a joy that, that I didn't. Um, and also she had a peace and a joy that, that I hadn't seen in any of my heroes that I'd spent a lot of time with. Mm-hmm. And, and I knew because, I, because I've been brought up as a Christian, um, although it wasn't real for me, I knew that at that moment that the, the reason why my mum was like that was because she had a faith. And because her faith was in Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Um, so that was one thing that I remember being a defining moment. Um, but there were others. So I remember when I was at Newcastle, I, I'd bought a brand new car. Me and my two roommate had um, been out and we we decided to buy, buy three of the same car. Um, I think we thought we'd get like three for the price of two. Or or something like that. Um, but what what actually happened was that they they just charged far more than uh, they would have charged any other normal person. They just
1: saw three naive young footballers coming through the showroom. Absolutely. I guess. And I don't remember,
2: you know, the registration. I remember the registration number. So I got a blue one. It was a Vauxhall Tigre. Um So I got a blue one. Uh, my mate got a grey one, and my other mate got a black one, and we all parked them next to each other in in our in our triple garage uh that we had uh, and my registration was v293 <laughs> fbn and my other mates was v294 fbn and v295 fbn but it's funny that you remember that isn't it? <laughs> um but anyway about, yeah. about three weeks after buying this car i was traveling back up to newcastle and um i had my mate in the car um who'd also come from Blackburn to Newcastle with me, um, and we had some coronation chicken in the Tupperware box on the back seat. And as we were travelling back up to Newcastle, we actually got back up to Newcastle. We were in Durham, um, and I was travelling on an A road, and I clipped the kerb on the, at the central reservation and sent the car across the, the A road, and we hit a tree at 70 miles an hour, head on. Um, fortunately, cut a long, long story short, um I was fine and my mate was fine. Uh Coronation Chicken wasn't. Mm. Um not, not to much. much. Um but I remember thinking um at the time I don't know what would have happened to me had I, had I died. Most people who hit a tree at seventy mile an hour die. Um and I didn't. I was I was spared for whatever reason. And I remember thinking I don't know where I've gone. I was brought up a Christian. I was brought up to believe in, in, in heaven and I was brought up to believe in hell. And, and, I remember feeling anxious at least about the fact that I didn't know where I'd gone. Uh, had I been killed in that crash? And so I think those two things were the, were two of the, the catalysts. Um, for me making a, making a decision. Um, and that, that eventually, so that the car crash came first, and then the conversation with my mum came later on. Um, and that, that I wanted really? to become a Christian. I can't remember exactly when it happened, but I do remember mm. whilst I was at Chester, um, and a time after I'd spoken to my mum, I remember opening up the Bible, which wasn't the first time because I'd spent a long time in church. I just remember open up the Bible and for the first time ever it felt like God was speaking to me um, it felt like the book was alive it felt like um it felt powerful it felt like nothing I'd ever read before um, it felt amazing um, and so it was, mm-hmm. it was then that I decided that I wanted to be a Christian, I wanted to follow um, I wanted to follow Jesus I wanted to be a disciple Um, I had weighted all of my money. Um, So I had three and a half thousand pounds left. And so I decided that I want to do a year out. And I looked all over the world, literally all over the world, for somewhere to go to do a year out, a Christian year out. And the only one that I could find was 10 minutes down the road in Wavertree, um, which was the Amiga tree that that me and you did. Um, And that was... You know, that that was a another turning point um in my life and my relationship with God. Fab. So
1: obviously there, there's a lot in that and there's a lot you've covered, you know, that sort of journey into faith and some of that disappointment that you're working through around kind of your football career not working out quite the way you expected. But, I mean what would you say is would you say that's a big challenge that you've had to overcome what what, what what's been the hardest thing up to now because you know yeah. a journey of faith is great but it's not all easy is it it's not necessarily an easy life being a christian so I'm, I'm interested where where did it go from uh, there
2: yeah so I think one of the big biggest challenges that I've faced and and I'm still facing you know if if I'm honest is mm-hmm. um just accepting God's unconditional love for me um I have spent most of my life in a very competitive environment um you know i sure. I left home when I was sixteen very young and I was thrust into a very very competitive um situation where um you know i i was I was faced with the competition of my peers. I want to do better than them. Um, all of us were focused on being in the first team and we were competing against, we were aware that we were competing against each other. Um, and um, so I was dealing with that. I was also dealing with the fact that I'd left home um, and that wasn't easy. But I mm-hmm. didn't have a mum and dad there, although my dad did come an awful lot of time which was amazing. Um, I didn't have a moment down mm. there every day to say, you know, keep going. We think you're great. We love you. Um, sure. I also had the, the pressure, which I felt, um, which wasn't always real, but, but but I felt like it was real. So I, I want, you know, I'm a son, so I want to please my dad. Um, I didn't want to be, mm. I didn't want to let, get let go. I wanted to be successful. I want to be captain of England. Um, and, i um you know so so I had that pressure um Alan airborne had taken a, gap, a bit of a gamble on me, i suppose mm-hmm. Coach um and brought me up to Newcastle, and that I, I you know I didn't want to let him down um and but that was a that was a pressure um that I felt you know I have mm-hmm. friends at home um mm-hmm. and my peers at home who who knew me as Mike, the lad who's a professional footballer, and I didn't want to yeah. I didn't want to come home and say it's it not worked out. Um, and so that whole earning and uh, that competition is something that when I became a Christian was difficult to, to get rid of. Um, and so learning about mm. how much God loves me and that it is unconditional has been a slow process, probably quite frustrating for God. Um, but it's been quite a slow process for me. And, you know, the Amiga team was, was a mm-hmm. massive, massive step um, in the right direction for me and learning about God and conditional love. Um, a, a huge step. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it's something that, that you know, it, it's still um, a challenge um, that I'm battling with. I had expect- lots of expectations that I didn't want to. Disappoint. Mm. Um, I also came from a very um, accomplished sporting background. You know, in that a lots of my family were very, very good at sport. Um, My my dad was a basketballer for England, and um, I, you know, a sister who represented Great Britain in athletics, a brother who represented Great Britain athletics, uh, another brother who was second in Europe in gymnastics. You know, so I've got lots of. very successful siblings and I, I just you know it's difficult then once you become a Christian I found um to then accept that God loves me without me doing anything without me winning a single medal you know without me um accomplishing anything um and so I think for me coming out of that world of of sport um that has been one of my biggest challenges um and biggest battle.
1: Sure, sure. And I, I'm interested, like, because that's obviously huge and uh, a serious so space. I'm interested in, like, how did that theme then continue to unfold in your life from there? So, what happened
2: yeah. so after that? I mean, so you after came
1: out of that professional football and yeah. So what so next after,
2: um, after the Amiga team, um, mm-hmm. I felt like God was wanting me to go back into football, um. Which, which at least was interesting for me because you know I, I didn't really still have the same love for football. Um, but that was what I felt like God was asking sure. me to do, and so I went back into football right at a very low level. Um, and I shied up to Old Trafford. Um, loved it. Um, really enjoyed playing there, and then I got to move up a league to to Rumcorn, and then I got a move up another league. Um, to me RMI. Um, and. However, I realised that, um, you know, by this time I was like 24, 25 and I needed to make a decision really about what was going to be my future um, because, you know, I was I was wise enough to understand that I wasn't going to be, um, I wasn't going to make enough money from football for me to be able to, to do that as my only career. Um, at the time I was you know, as a semi professional footballer. Um and so it was that point I was married at the time. Um and my wife was a teacher and so um I decided that I was gonna be uh, going to PE teaching. So I did a degree. Um I managed to get a first, which was um, great. and very proud of that because school didn't go very well. Well it didn't go great for me because, you know, I felt like I was going to be a professional footballer so I didn't really have a lot of time to school, really? but um, I managed to get that first in my degree, and I've been a teacher now, a PE teacher, um, a big Catholic comprehensive for uh, 14 years, and the way that um, the way that I feel like um, I've grown as a Christian is that you know it, what's interesting is at the moment I'm at a point in my career where. Um, I'm wanting to, I'm wanting to change and I'm wanting to make some decisions about, um, where I go and what, and what I do next. Um, and I'm considering the possibility of maybe stepping back from my role. I'm currently, um, ahead of PA and, and I'm currently thinking about the possibility of me stepping back and maybe taking a less senior position or even maybe coming out of teaching and doing something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, something different. And um, I think it's only because I have grown to learn about how much that God loves me that I feel like I could take a step back in my career, which many people would see as, as um, you know, maybe me not doing so well. I think because I have grown in my faith and I've know, I know more now that, that, that God loves me unconditionally, I feel like that is an option um um you know it, 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 it's only a small thing but, but but for me that that's quite a big deal um and and shows
1: yeah it's quite cultural isn't it actually it's quite it's unusual like there's kind of this idea that you should just always be going up another rung on your career and earning more money and more prestige and you know that's that's kind of how our culture thinks so that that sort of sense of freedom you have that you can step outside of that is quite unusual, I think. Like, yeah, it's quite a big change from being in that high-performance world that you used to be in, where, like, I actually feel like you've got that freedom to be like, I can explore different things and I can do anything I want, like, you know, with God here. And yeah, that's quite quite incredible, really, isn't uh,
2: it? One of the interesting things was when I was coming out of football, as I was sort of, um, you know, I was playing semi-professional footballer. I met lots of other footballers, um, who had 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 you know relatively successful careers, and they were sort of on their way out, if you like. And you know, mm-hmm. you could, you could see that that for a lot of people, or a, a lot of lads who I knew, you know, as a Newcastle professional, people people wouldn't recognise me, but people would know that I played for Newcastle. Mainly because of the people who I was with at the time, and so I could go to a party, or I could go to a club, or I could go to a bar, and I could walk in, and people would know that I played for Newcastle, and mm-hmm. so there was quite a lot of kudos, and that, you know, that it, as a young lad, that was that was massive, um, and and so yeah, when I was, you know, a semi-professional footballer, and um, you know, it was very very different. Um, being at Newcastle and being with other players and you could see how that was a struggle a big struggle for, for lots of people you know they they were struggling to come to terms with the fact that they weren't going to be that person they weren't going to have that same sway and that same power and that same uh,
0: yeah.
2: kudos going into those bars a lot of them would go into a lot of them un- understandably in one way would go into drugs and things like that, because that was the only thing that, that 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 meant you could go into a bar, or to a club, or to a party, and have a similar, kudos to to, to the kudos that you got from being a footballer, um, and so I, I, and that was interesting, um, for me. It, you know, it was never a temptation for me, um, but it 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 was interesting that that, that it's just such a battle for people um to to give it up and to yeah. to be able to you know maybe take a step back and and accept that that you know that that's the next step,
1: yeah, yeah, so I mean your story is really outside of the norm, isn't it, in that sense, and it to me that just speaks of how much work God's done in your life, but I mean, obviously your story's not over yet you're still thinking about what your next career step is or what you change what changes might be afoot. So, you know, I'm aware that you're certainly not at the end of your story yet. You know, there's still way more chapters to be written, which is exciting. And, you know, I'm personally excited to see what God does with you next and where he takes you next if you do do something slightly different or step back from teaching a little bit. But I mean, just reflecting up to where you are right now, um, what do you think you've Learn through all of this experience up to date like if you i know it's really hard thing to ask isn't it but if you could just distill it down to one sort of like lesson in life what would that thing be like what's that thing that you feel like this is what i know now that i didn't know before
2: i think um it would i've mentioned it before but i think it would be that, that that god's love for me is unconditional um I've just finished reading a book um, that that talks about the fact that you know that that we have different there's different sort of horizons and you know when we when we know that God um, has a future for us and um, we can have a hope in something that is certain and that is um, not going to change in the future, then it impacts how we behave and how the, the level of joy and freedom that we can have. Um, in our own lives, and you know what? What's been interesting for me is that coming out of football, the people, you know, pupils ask me, you know, why did, um, why are you not football anymore? Did you get an injury? And what what they want to hear is that I've got an injury. They don't want to hear that that no, actually, my story is that I I wasn't quite good enough. You know, I was good enough to be a professional footballer, and that was fantastic. But my football career didn't come to an end because of an injury. And it's difficult. It, you know, it, it's always like a um, hill joy, you know, in that moment to say to yeah. someone, no, I didn't get an injury. I just wasn't good enough. Um, but you just don't often hear that story. Yeah. You know, yet the reality is that, that 95% of professional footballers, that's the truth, you know, that they became professional footballers. Mm. It wasn't that they got an injury, they, they just weren't good enough in the end to be able to continue. And so, you know, learning that God loves me unconditionally has given me the freedom to be able to answer that question honestly and say football was great, football was brilliant and I wouldn't change it for the world, but I didn't get injured. I just wasn't good enough and now I'm doing something else and I'm I'm really proud of this. Mm -hmm. Um, And even though you might not be as proud of me um, as a... As you will be if I was a professional footballer, you know. I know that God is. Um, mm. I, I, some of the words that are in the Bible, you know. I'm a father at the moment. Um, I am a father. Mm. Um, and the words in the Bible where where Jesus speaks and he says, "My son," my son, and he he says it a number of times and. those words have meant an awful lot to me because when I look at my son, the feelings that I have for him mean that he does not need to do anything in order to make me pleased and make me happy and make me proud. Um, and the more I have dwelt on those words that, that God looks at me and the first thing he says is my son, my son. And after that, you know, everything else that, that I feel like I'm doing for God is almost irrelevant to the fact that, that he is my father and he sees me as, as his son um, and you know mm. I actually think had I known it when I was a professional footballer, um I think I would have been a better better footballer um, I think I would have played with a lot more freedom. Um, you know when I was a professional footballer, I, I felt like everything was a risk. You know if I play with freedom, it's a risk the risk because what if it what if it goes wrong and i i get i I get subbed or what if I get taken off? everything was a risk you know and the the more you learn about how unconditionally God loves you, less and less of your actions become a risk it just become you acting out freedom up then with a whole lot more joy and um, one of my one mm. of my favorite verses in the Bible is, is Romans 8 29, which says that God is changing me into the likeness of Jesus. So that I so that he will be the firstborn among many brothers. And for me, the, the reason why I like the verse is because it says that God is continually changing me into the likeness of Jesus. Um and you know, when we when I reflect on when I reflect on what my life has been like and what my life is going to be like in in the future um, on earth um, I'm aware of the fact that that, that God is changing me to likeness Jesus and so there will be ups and there will be downs and there will be um, things that are unexpected and there will probably be disappointments Mm. but, but when I know that my father has a plan and that Planet to change me into the likeness of Jesus, that I can have a lot more uh, assurance and peace, knowing that that He is in control and um, that He loves me unconditionally, um, and therefore I am free. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. It's amazing, and um,
1: yeah, I mean that's that's just an inspiring point to finish on really because it's something we all need to know it's something we all need deeper revelation of I think and you know such a powerful example that you've got in your own life and you know Mike it's just yeah I'd love to talk to you loads more but I'm aware of time but it's been fascinating hearing your story today and hearing a bit more of your take on this um coming from that kind of performance world and learning that freedom and that joy of just being who you are in God. so thank you so much for giving up your time and talking with us today, and it's just been a pleasure to have you That's on the okay. story.
2: Thank here. Thank
1: you. No problem. Just to say to anyone who's listening today, you know, you may not have had a professional football career, but if your story, if Mike's story, has like resonated with you today in any way, if what he's talking about around knowing freedom and who you are in 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 Jesus uh, resonates, knowing more of the Father's love for you then I know Mike would be happy to talk to you one on one or connect. So, you know, if you want to hear more or reach out to him personally, you can connect with us at CrowdChurch through the website and drop us just drop us an email or a message on the website and we can put you in touch. I'm sure he'd be happy to share more of his story with anyone who's interested. So thanks again. For uh, being here today, Mike. It's been a pleasure chatting to you. And thank you also to you, listeners, for being here and listening in. That's all from us right now. And um, we will um, see you again soon. Have a great week, everyone.
0: And just like that, we have reached the end of another fascinating conversation. Now, remember to check out Crowd Church at www.crowd.church, even if you might not see the point of church. You see, we are a digital church on a quest to discover how Jesus can help us live a more meaningful life. We are a community, a space to explore the Christian faith and a place where you can contribute and grow. And you are welcome at Crowd Church. Don't forget to subscribe to the What's the Story podcast on your favorite podcast app because we've got a treasure trove of inspiring stories coming your way and we would basically hate for you to miss any of them. And just in case no one has told you yet today, remember you are awesome. Yes, you are. Created awesome. It's just a burden you have to bear. What's the Story is a production of Crowd Church. Our fantastic team, including Anna Kettle, Saraf Bainon, and me, Matt Edmondson, uh, and Tanya Hutzalak, work behind the scenes tirelessly to bring you all these fabulous. Stories. Our theme song is a creative work of Josh Edmondson. And if you're interested in the transcript or show notes, head over to our website, whatsthestorypodcast.com. And whilst you're there, sign up for our free weekly newsletter to get all of this goodness delivered straight to your inbox. So that's it from all of us this week here at What's The Story. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a fantastic week wherever you are in the world. We'll catch you next time. Bye for now.